people of the world, welcome back to another episode of Malfunction, coming in hot for you right now. And I got my good friend Wade stopping by the studio to have a fabulous conversation. We got a lot of content coming at you, I think almost two hours worth, so settle in, grab a drink, put your headphones in, listen to this at work. We cover a lot of awesome topics. And one cool thing about Wade is that he actually is a podcaster himself. He co-hosts his own podcast with a couple of friends called The Inevitables. And they've done over 70 episodes at this point. They've gotten in a groove and it's a really fun podcast. Um, So I wanted to ask him, you know, hey, how did you start your podcast? Where did those ideas come from? And how has it changed, etc. So we talk about his podcast, and then we also talk a lot about golf. So if you like golf, I think you'll really find this conversation interesting. Even if you don't like golf, you don't have to be like super into it to follow along and um, you know get something out of the conversation as well. We also talk about Wade's love for books and TV shows and movies, and how he likes to really research like the background of movies, like who's the director, who's the producer, and goes down that rabbit hole of really, you know, exploring how the movie was made. Um, So if you're into movies, we've got you covered there. But all in all, I really enjoyed this conversation with Wade, and I actually forgot to bring it up to him, but when he had me on his podcast, that was one of the elements that pushed me towards starting my podcast. There was a, a span of several, actually about a year and a half of really thinking about starting my own podcast. And there were certain things that happened leading up to actually doing it. And going on his podcast was really fun. I really enjoyed talking with him. And then he also encouraged me was asking, you know, about my idea to start my podcast. And um, he's also always been really supportive of the roommates, the band that I'm in, and I really, really appreciate that. So just a super genuine, cool guy. Really, really love this conversation, and I'm already looking forward to having him back on the podcast. So I won't ramble on anymore. Also, check out the show notes. I've got some links for y'all there so y'all can follow Wade and his podcast. And all right, let's get into it. I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about your podcast and because you said you're interested in podcasts and of course you have a podcast with a couple of your buddies. And so first of all, tell me a little bit about so the people on the podcast listening now, they can know where to find it, number one, and what's it about? Just kind of give her a general idea of what y'all are talking about and stuff and how it or just start from there. I won't yeah. load you up too much. No, no, no absolutely. So, uh, first off, uh, I'm sure you'll you'll say this and stuff in the the intro. But uh, my name's Wade. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a podcast called uh, The Inevitables Podcast. Uh, you can find it um, on Instagram and Twitter at Inevitables Pod. Uh, first off, the kind of the the history and kind of story uh, of that name, The Inevitables Pod. Uh, was kind of the uh, the idea that uh, failure is in inevitable, and I, I you know I'm interested in failure, interested in when people have failure and like where do they go from there? Like, you know, when did something happen that completely changed the course of their life and they just stopped, or you know, did they 
pick up, you know, from that failure and learn this huge lesson. And, you know, everybody that's ever succeeded at anything has failed in tons of areas uh, prior to that. Um, But the other part of the day uh, comes from the fact that uh, I feel I feel like with a lot of my creative pursuits, um, I, you know, have 10 new ideas before I like finish the first one. And uh, with the podcast, um, the the idea I had this conversation with uh, my partner, Mitch, uh, one of my two partners, but it started out with just me and Mitch. And basically the idea behind it was, yeah, I mean, inevitably we're just going to get, you know, bored or tired of this and kind of like, hey, any episode you're listening to, it could be our last and we might just, you know, stop and never come back and not explain it. And it may not make sense, but, you know, we might just decide to move on to something else. So that's kind of like the the double uh, the double meaning to the name is, you know, failure is inevitable. And then also the failure of this podcast is also probably inevitable. You never know. Uh, <laughs> However that may transpire. Yeah, yeah. But it is it is a golf podcast. I would say I would say it's probably throughout the year it's a sports podcast, but um, golf is like, you know, one of my favorite hobbies and and passions. Uh, it's what I like to do with my free time. Uh, it's something I like to consume when it comes to, you know, watching you know the majors watching the big golf tournaments we just had the last major of the year the open championship yeah wrap up yesterday as of uh this recording um and so i listened to a lot of other golf podcasts and enjoy it and it kind of turned into us you know picking hey who do we think's gonna win yeah let's tell everybody why they should be interested in this particular tournament what's going on at this course you know what is it that um you know, you should be looking out for, uh, for this upcoming tournament. And it's like, you know, I have people that (laughs) listen to the podcast that are like, yeah, I mean, I don't watch golf. I don't really even care about golf that much. It's just kind of fun, like hearing you guys talk and banter and all that kind of stuff. And then we have other people that are like, oh yeah, we're just as golf obsessed. Uh, a lot of my buddies like gambling. And so we always try and throw in like our gambling picks, like who we think is going to (laughs) win all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so it started with me and my partner, Mitch. Uh, we used to be co-workers. Um, we actually, we, we were co-workers uh, kind of about two years before the pandemic and then through probably like the first eight months of the pandemic. And um, he lived down the street and we just, we were always friendly in the office, having a good time. You know, we'd always go grab lunch, maybe grab a beer after work, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but once we started working from home during the pandemic, um, <laughs> we were both uh, managers in this office. So we both kind of had our own teams that we managed, had some responsibilities that, you know, kind of me- meant that we had to, you know, just have a lot of meetings together and like talking. And uh, we kind of bonded over the situation of, not necessarily liking the situation we were in and we're like hey uh you want to just like leave now and go play golf and we're like uh yeah yeah I'm, I'm wrapping up right now i don't have any other meetings the rest of the day so uh that first that first uh you know six months of the pandemic you know probably after you know maybe may so after maybe those first two crazy months yeah. where like nobody left their house um <laughs> after that we got out and played golf like at least probably two days a week. Then we'd start hanging out on the weekends playing golf. And, you know, I'd, I'd been out with him and some of his buddies before as well. And um, 
I just really liked the way he he talks, like having conversations with him. Um, For sure. That's what got me into podcasts in the first place is just, you know, listening to long form interviews are the ones that I usually like the most. Um, and I just had great conversations with him. I had basically wanted to start a podcast, you know, for, you know, the better part of like five years. And of course it just, you know, I'm not the best at executing on all my ideas. And it was kind of like a big step for me to just kind of like put it out there and turn it into like a two person project versus a one person. Cause you know, somebody that could maybe hold me accountable a little bit. And I said, Hey, uh, would you be interested in starting a podcast? And he was just like, we were literally in a work meeting while this was happening. And we're like, uh, you know, texting each other, (laughs) Skyping each other while we're supposed to be listening to something else. And he just sent back and was like, hell yeah. Just no, no questions. No. What would it be about? You know, anything. It was just like, hell yeah. No, no other questions. And then, uh, we went to lunch like a couple of days after that and just kind of hashed it out and started talking about ideas. And, um, the first, uh, the first probably, so we've been going, um, we've been going for a little over a year and a half now have, you know, 70 something episodes out there. Um, and the first, the first probably about six months was just me going to his apartment in uh, Bishop Arts here in Dallas um, every Wednesday evening and just the two of us just sitting there firing up the microphones and just being like, what should we talk about? I don't know. Like just kind of coming up with stuff on the fly. So well, at that point, was it about, but it start out as a sports or a golf pot? I, not really, did it? Or No, it started out with, you know, we knew that we both love golf. We knew we'd want to talk about that. He's... I want to make sure you're still recording. Sometimes it cuts off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, I watched the, the, the line. You know go what's up. So if screen. it stops, just let me know. I will, and I will. usually if it cuts out, the the sound will go out too. But so it didn't start out, out as a sports podcast. Like so how did what happened from there? Like y'all started getting together and start talking. Yeah, yeah. So we started getting together, started talking. Um just bizarre ideas. Like my one buddy was like, hey, how cool would it be if we had a segment called substances and solstices and like whenever it's like the summer solstice or the winter solstice, like, I don't know, like I'll just like get super high or like I'll do shrooms and like something like that. And then we can just record it and like see what happens. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's a fun segment. We can't build a whole podcast on that. Cause you know, that's, you know, two times a year. Uh, also we, we missed it this most recent summer solstice. So yeah. that one, uh, did stick around. Uh, we did do it. We did do it once. Um, and then wait, what substance did y'all use? Uh, just weed. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and I'm and I'm not like that much into that. You know, I I have a a beer in my hand right now as we're recording, and yeah. I, I tend to you know mostly stick with the alcohol. But you know, from time to time, um, on a solstice, you yeah, never know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we had some other ideas. Like uh, we started having a conversation about like you know because obviously like I love you know movies, TV shows, those types of stuff. And you know, I'd say like a movie, and he'd be like, never seen it, never seen it. And I'd be like, what? You've never seen that movie? (laughs) And so then we had a segment that we called, um, you know, movies that one of us loves, but the other hasn't seen, but they should have. Or something like that was like the name of the segment. And uh, one of my big, like, total gaps in my movie watching life 
is that I'm like, ah, I was gonna, like, I just know that one day I'm going to get around to watching all the Godfather movies, but you know, it's like, oh, it's a long commitment and I just haven't done it and I'll get to it. And of course that was one of the ones that he was like, all right, you like movies and you haven't seen the Godfather? Like, how dare you? Um, so we did a couple segments like that. Um, we did a couple random like segments where, you know, we would just draft like random things and like, um, you know, segments where, you know, we would, you know, pick a random list of like, you know, three like different like movie actors and then, you know, have to just like create a plot for a screenplay in like two minutes, like live or not live, but like on air, like recorded right there. Uh-huh. Um, and then we would be like, whose screenplay was better? We So, so <laughs> we started with just all this, you know, for lack of a better words, just like exploring like dumb stuff, dumb ideas of like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of fun. We're having a good time. You know, meanwhile, you know, like seven of our buddies are listening to this and like, that's it. And, you know, we still aren't, you know, super big viewership, but we've had some guests and some interviews that have, you know, turned to, you know, getting some decent, you know, views on pages and, you know, little snippets on Twitter and social media and all that kind of stuff. So some of our stuff has gotten out there like a little bit, but, you know, for the most part, um, you know, it was kind of that slow, you know, six months of like really us just trying to figure out what we were doing. Yeah. now, one of, one of our buddies, or actually one of my buddies who I grew up with um, in California, uh, would basically text us ideas after every week. Be like, oh, this, this part was great, but like, it would be cool if you did this. This part was great. So we just started joking that like he was Joey the producer. Joey the producer. And we had him on for uh, one episode where we just like... He's also a, a chiropractor by trade, so he was Joey the chiropractor slash producer. And, you know, we talked to him about, you know, like, how did you end up being a chiropractor? Like, tell us about the schooling. Like, how, you know, how does it work? What do you love about it? What do you want to do with your life? Like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, still just continuing to send in ideas, ideas. And then finally, we we're like, hey, you want to just, like, be, you know, third member of the team here? And, uh, you know, that way we can kind of lighten the load a little bit you know if i'm ever not able to record like mitch and joey can do it if you know joey's busy me and mitch can do it me and joey can do it that kind of thing um and joey was like yeah yeah for sure um fun, funny story we're actually I'm, I'm gonna go home tonight and we're gonna record uh, a reaction to the big golf tournament that ended yesterday um but i feel like when joey came in um you know he's just as golf obsessed as i am and, and mitch is and we just started, you know, kind of talking more about the golf and um, Mitch and Joey are both also kind of diehard football fans Okay. and I'm not that much of a football fan. So I kind of let them kind of like talk about football and then I kind of like, you know, play the antagonist and like poke my head in and out of like, yeah, but like it's also like, yeah, it's, you know. For, for my friend Joey, who's the Cowboys fan, it's like, yeah, but it's also like the Cowboys. So, like, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to, like, you know, fl- they're going to flame out yeah. in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so, we, you know, honestly, to this day, like, we are still um, changing. It's, you know, yeah. the, the podcast has changed. Uh, there you know, are no rules. The only thing that hasn't changed is the name. Um, everything else, the, uh, 
the the agenda, what we talk about, what sports we're covering. It just kind of changes all the time. And yeah. I now that the the big kind of like major golf season is over for the year, there's still, you know, a few more tournaments uh, throughout the rest of the season. But like the four majors are done for the year. Still have a couple of months till football season starts. Um, I think we're going to kind of take this next couple months and, you know, honestly figure out like, hey, what does the life of this podcast look like? Are we going to do this? Are we going to, you know, basically commit to like, hey, let's go do it for a whole nother year. Let's go do it for mm-hmm. another golf season. Maybe it's going to completely change. Maybe it'll stay the same. But I think um, I don't like just kind of things staying the same all the time. So I think that's kind of part of my uh, kind of driving it um, is just like, yeah, I mean, we've been doing this and like, yeah, we've had some really good episodes, some things that are fun. Some It's always a good time when I just get to, at the very least, get on uh, get on the camera and hang out with my two buddies. Yeah. Um, but like, hey, what's the next evolution of this? So it's uh, been uh, to, to be determined. Yeah. And it, it honestly, um, I've really enjoyed listening to you to you guys talk about the golf season and, and like. I like listening to what y'all think about the players and the course. Like everything that you were saying is what I've I've really enjoyed, especially over the last like month of the podcast, you know, talking about golf and y'all's picks and uh, leading into the open and the U S open. That was fun. Like leading up into that. And then hearing y'all's picks and, um, I don't know. I've just, I've learned a lot from you guys cause I've been, uh, I haven't really watched sports that much. Like, super in-depth for a while now. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of TV in general, and it's, you know, I played sports growing up, and people assume that I'm, like, super into sports, which is, like, I I love to be active myself, and I'm not super, you know, I don't, like, watch a team, follow a team hardcore in any sport, really. But I'll watch it. Like, I'll, I'll watch the Mavericks if they're on. I'll watch the Cowboys if it's on. I'll watch, but I'm not, like – following it to the point where it upsets me or anything like that um but out of everything I've always I've you know when I was playing golf especially growing up I really love I've always loved watching golf on TV and I was really into watching golf during the Tiger era which is really cool I'm glad that I was super conscious of what like I remember that because I I was alive when Michael Jordan was playing, but I don't remember any, I don't remember watching any of his games live on TV. Like, I don't have memory of that, even though I probably did see some games, but I don't remember it the way that I remember Tiger. And out of any sport figure, you know, Tiger is always, that's kind of been my guy. That's kind of been my, the, the cream of the crop for me. Like, just who I looked up to, who I wanted to be like, in any sport, you know? Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I love watching golf. And so I've found myself falling back into that and really watching golf, especially this last year, I've watched pretty much all the majors, like quite a bit of every major and, um, you know, really getting that itch to play. And I, I attribute that to you and your friends on the podcast because it's just been fun listening to y'all. And it's, I don't know. It's really cool. So I dig it. Like, I I really, I really like what y'all are doing. I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's awesome. I 
you know, kind of add you to the list of people that are like, oh, man, I haven't been watching that much golf. And they're like, oh, man, it's the major, of course. But what am I doing this weekend? Uh, I'm going to be on Scottish time, uh, staying up all night long watching (laughs) the Open Championship. What's been cool, I've always loved the Open. I've always loved it because um, I just like that it's it's, uh, just rugged and... It's not the pretty course that everyone you think in your head, but it's like that's where it all came from, and it's harsh, and you never know. I've always loved it, but check this out. I did. I got my DNA like tested or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let me see here. Got some. I am. Some you. Oh yeah, I'm fifty four percent England ignore, ignore and northwestern Europe, twenty seven percent Scottish. Nice. 17% Irish and 2% Sweden and Denmark. So I've got a lot of Ireland, Ireland, Scotland, you know. There you go. I mean, it's only natural for you to put it on and just kind of be called in by that. That's uh it's your heritage there. So I was like, "Now I want to go." Oh my gosh, I like it I've, I've always wanted to go and like just watching this most recent open like seeing them in St. Andrews, how the course finishes by basically putting you right in the heart of the town. Yeah. And it's just a, a beautiful college town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just made me want to go even more. It, it adds to the long list of like, you know, dream golf trips I want to go on across the whole world. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've always kind of had it like pegged of like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe when I turn like, uh, you know, maybe when I turn 40, like that's the time to like, you know, get Start out there and, there. you know, go spend, <laughs> you know, $15,000 on like a week of playing every golf course I've ever wanted to play in Ireland and Scotland and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm starting to think like, oh man, I don't know if I can wait that long. I might need to go. I might need to go sooner. I know. Uh, I know. I've, I, I had the same like thoughts in my head especially watching the open i was like "Mm, we need to go there within the next i was like next summer yeah we need to go there next summer i was like okay how do we make this happen you know but um yeah it's it's freaking so cool over there it's so there's so much history that we just don't even understand that kind of history. You know, we're not around that sort of. For sure. Life. And and something that they do in um, particularly Ireland and Scotland um, that, you know, they really get it right is that course, the most, you know, the, the home of golf. That golf course has been there since 1552. It's crazy. Uh, right. You know, 200 years longer than crazy. the United States, basically. And any any one of us can go uh, wait in line and get a tea time and play. You just have to be like, oh, what's your? You just basically have to tell them like, my home club is this, my handicap is this, and they're like, great, you're going off at you know eleven ten today, and there you go, and you obviously pay your fee. Um, and most of the courses in those countries, like Scotland and Ireland, are like that, where they want visitors like they, you know, will probably have a cheap rate for their like local residents and, you know, more of a touristy rate for us Americans to pay, but they invite us to come and they want us to come play all of their great golf courses. I didn't know that. Now what part of them do is they have like clubs, like, you know, where think about it here, country club. We were talking about this, you know, uh, before we started recording, you know, most 
country clubs you come across are like, yeah, join our country club. If you meet all these lists of demands, if you get references from multiple members, if you pay this six figure entrance fee for some of the you know prestigious courses yeah. around Dallas. And then once you're in, great, you're in. And now we'll keep the riffraff out. So you can come in here and we'll keep everybody else out. Um, but in Scotland and Ireland, the golf courses for the most part are mostly public but you know they'll have like oh the for example right behind the green the 18th green at uh st andrews is the the rna the royal and ancient golf club yeah that is like very prestigious very exclusive but it's like it's a club that is at the golf course and that's like you know there's a museum of british and you know scottish golf in that place and that's the part that's private that, you know, it is hard to get gain access to all that kind of stuff. But the golf course, they're like, yeah, pay the fee and go play the golf course. Have fun. And, you know, Man, all so the cool. th think about it, like for the majority of golf courses we watch on TV in the United States, they're all private clubs where, you know, you are, you know, keeping out a majority of the people who play golf in the country. They, you know, the only time they'll ever get a chance to, you know, walk on the walk on the grounds at Augusta is if they pay, you know, an absorbent rate to go see the tournament in person. But like you have to, you know, know somebody, know somebody, know somebody to ever get in and play these types of yeah, courses. It's so true. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. And, and it's also going back to Tiger. I mean, it's, you know, Tiger obviously being the, you know, watching Tiger. First off, just anytime you watch an athlete that is like a dominant, dominant killer in their sport of what they do. They're, uh, they're physically better than you. They're mentally better than you. Um, and he was just their performance wise better like, than you all of that type of stuff like anytime you watch an athlete like that you know for for me growing up it was uh, like I, I very 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 vaguely remember the Michael Jordan's last uh, championship with the Bulls against yeah. the Jazz but I mean I was like six years old so I just remember that it was on TV I wasn't actually able to you know follow along or really get it yeah um, but you know pretty much that last year was also the year that that Kobe Bryant was drafted and you know I grew up in the LA area so for like the majority of my life watching basketball meant like watching Kobe and you know he was obviously trying to take exactly Michael Jordan's playbook on you know how to learn all the moves how to beat somebody down how to work harder than everybody how Did to you go beat. to a bunch of games um I didn't go to a bunch of Laker games I mean I've been to you know, sure. I've been to several Laker games in my lifetime. The Dodgers were always more accessible. Uh, they were also um, just not very good during <laughs> a lot of my childhood. Yeah. Uh, they're great now, which I'm really enjoying. Um, but Dodger games was a much more of like a, oh, you know, family, grab the family of four and, you know, take everybody out and we can go watch a Dodger game, eat a hot dog, that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas like the Laker <clears throat> game was probably a little bit more of like, oh, we, you know, me and my dad are going to go see a Laker game like for my birthday or, you know, something like that. So, yeah. um, I saw Kobe play here. It was like 2006 ish, 2005, 2006. It was during that year. I, I don't know how, but I was up in a box seat, um, just lucked into it with some friends and, uh, 
And I mean, I just like, again, like I was like, okay, I'm here. And, and like, I can't, I don't remember how many points he scored that night, but it was ridiculous. He went off and I'd never seen anything like that yeah. in, on the basketball court. And I was up in the box seat, which I wish I could have been down, but I remember he was shooting at, at a certain point. He was like, like, probably 10 feet back off of the three-point line. And and when he made that shot, it was like – it was at that point in the game where it was so obnoxious that how how he was just running all over everybody. That was, it was crazy. That, there's, a, there's a really famous game, and it would be really wild if you were at that game because it was in Dallas where Kobe scored, I want to say, 61 points it was, in, I, the, in the first three quarters – and then just didn't play the fourth quarter at all. And I want to say at the end of the third quarter, the score was like, you know, the Lakers were winning by, you know, 15, 20 points. But like Kobe had like 61 and the Mavs had like 63 or something like that. So he had almost like it outscored the that best. That, that, it was that would insane. be crazy. That I would just be remember crazy. it being, it was everything he threw up, he was making. Yeah, yeah. And Everyone was just getting so mad. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That. Yeah. Oh, what I was what I was saying earlier with uh, you know I got I got sidetracked on the dominance of Tiger and then MJ oh, yeah. and Kobe, yeah, yeah. but you know, with golf in general, I mean the the great thing that's happening right now is we just talked about how hard it is to find a tee time on public courses. Golf is booming right now, coming out of the pandemic because there was that few months of the year. Where it was like, hey, your gym is closed. You can't go to the gym. You know, this, you know, whatever you like to do. Go play basketball. Oh, that's closed. You can't be, you know, sweating with, you know, a bunch of people and touching each other. You know, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) But they're like, oh, but you could go play golf. It's a perfect perfect pandemic activity. Yeah, yeah. So golf just absolutely boomed during the pandemic. And it's still, like, riding that high right now. And, you know, one of the, the things, honestly, in America is you know, how do they make golf more inclusive? Like, how do they make the world of golf look more like the people that love golf? Because, you know, take away those, take away those, um, you know, crazy exclusive clubs and all that kind of stuff. Beyond that, even when you're just talking about your public courses, I mean, it is an expensive sport. And, there's a lot of really cool like foundations and charities. There's uh, one in in South Dallas out of uh, Cedar Crest called uh, I am a golfer. I'm I am a golfer foundation um, that is basically just trying to get like, hey, you're interested in golf. Um, cool, come to the course. We have clubs for you. We'll give you lessons, like all that kind of That's stuff, awesome. and helping with like you know scholarships and. Even if you don't want to play golf, like, oh, you need a job? Like, sure, come work at the clubhouse and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that that is hopefully what the next, you know, the next however many years of golf looks like is, you know, as we get, you know, people not being so stuffy, you know, about, oh, this is dress code at the golf course. Mm-hmm. But being like, you know, I when I go play golf most of the time, I'm wearing shorts like this, which are like basically swim trunks. And, you know, maybe I have a a golf polo on that's untucked or whatever. And if I want to, you know, listen to music and drink beer while I'm out on the golf course, like, 
I'm having a good time. And, you know, there's obviously a long generations and generations of people that are like, no, that's not, you know, that's not how golf is. Golf is proper. You have to be, you know, wearing the proper attire. Um, and you know what they're making it is, you know, exclusive. So maybe, maybe, probably not, you know, based on however else, you know, politics are going in America, but maybe (laughs) golf could get to a point where, um, we do see more of those, um, clubs that are like, yeah, this is, you know, a top 10 golf course in the country and it's available for anyone to play. Um, now we have, you know, our, our own private membership that gets, you know, access to our, you know, private club that's, you know, on the property or, you know, they get the, you know, the tea times, you know, the first 10 tea times of the day because they are, you know, the members that are paying this fee. But like anybody else who just wants to show up for the day and pay whatever the cost is to just play the course, come on in, make yeah. a tea time in advance. So maybe, maybe we'll see things go in that direction. I hope so. And, um, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on this and, because it does seem like golf is opening up a little bit, the, the interest level and, um, you know, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this, but do you see an elevated level of performance with golfers and with that? And I know that, that performance always is increasing just with like increased um, you know, technology and just, inf- you know, information exchange on how to perform better and your swing logistics and all that. But then I think we've tapped into the last like 10 years specifically. Um, Tiger was the lead of this, of, of learning that, hey, you, if you work out and play golf, you're going to be real good. Like up to this point, it wasn't a really combined performance enhanced, like you're specifically training and eating and like an athlete. Yeah. And I feel like we're seeing that now. And, and with that, do you think there's going to be a need to increase the difficulty level of, or, and I know that they're increasing the links and stuff, but do you think there's going to be a need within the next 10 to 20 years to increase the difficulty level of some of these golf courses? Yeah, absolutely. So um, starting with your, your first point, just, yes, you saw the boom of golf from Tiger just absolutely destroying the sport and looking cool as hell while doing yes. it in the, you know, the 2000s. That bred into, you know, everybody, you know, my age, honestly, that was, um, you know, born in the early 90s, um, watching, being a 10, 12, 13 year old kid watching him do that. And then going out and being like, well, I want to play golf. I want to do this. And that, you know, kind of has led to that generation of, you know, Rory, Rory McElroy, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, you know, they're all roughly a few years older, a few years younger than me. Yeah. Um, that absolutely has happened. Um, and I think, in addition to that, what we're seeing now is there was like, yes, there's all these good young players coming out, but then they're coming to the pro tour and they're still kind of taking time to like kind of get acclimated very few and far between that. You see somebody just flash right when they get there and be like, Oh, this 21 year old is going to beat every, you know, 25 to 45 year old in the field. That still was super rare. I think what we're seeing now, which is all of that 
combined with all the 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 diet, the fitness, the the science, the swing analysis, the equipment, all of that. Now you're seeing the you know person who comes right out of college can show up one week and you know be just as good as any other pro in the world, and you know potentially win a tournament super young. So you are seeing more of those kind of like under twenty five year old players coming out and having immediate success, which was. Right not super common and then as far as just the the advancement and technology and i think watching the old course um this last weekend um it it is it's it's absolutely gonna have to change because they almost can't even play at that one of the most famous golf courses in the world and it's already almost too too easy too short distance wise um and you know Part of this, like we said, everything gets better. Everything advances a little bit. Um, but when it comes to the uh, the ball and the equipment, what have they done? They've made the golf club, the driver heads especially, bigger, more forgiving, and you can hit better shots with not the perfect you know, strike. It used to be like... You hit the ball right in the sweet spot. You know this more than I do because I actually wasn't a junior golfer playing up. I got into it later. But you hit the ball right in the sweet spot, and, oh, man, it feels like a million bucks. You don't. The ball just melts off the face. You don't feel anything. It goes forever. You hit the ball just a half a centimeter off the sweet spot, and you're like, oh, 50 yards less of distance. It's going nowhere. And now these drivers, you know, you can almost have like a huge sweet spot where you're like, yeah, as long as it's somewhere in there, it's going to go down there. And then also the ball manufacturers just, they're made the ball so good that it goes just so far. I mean, somebody like me, who's an amateur who has hardly ever played golf or like, you know, I play a ton of golf now, but like didn't grow up playing golf. I've had one very kind of pseudo golf lesson in my entire life. I just watch golf, go out, practice, and try and play and do what I see on TV. The fact that I can pick up a modern club and a modern golf ball and like occasionally, you know, yeah, maybe I get, you know, hit it one perfectly and it goes like 300 yards. Like that's, that's crazy. That's crazy (laughs) that I can do anything even close. That's like, oh, I've watched a lot of basketball. Like, yeah, let me just, you know, on the right conditions, like, let me just go up and do like a 360 windmill dunk real quick. Right. I understand Um, what you mean. So I think the, what we're going to see more, more than likely, and not even 20 years, we're talking less than five years into the future is uh, the ball kind of being almost like scaled back a little bit. They've made, they've made the ball just like the club head. They've made the ball more forgiving. So it spins less and you can basically control it going straighter, going further, carrying higher. Whereas the old ball, you know, kind of spun a lot more and you'd have to control the trajectory a little bit. Cause sometimes if you kind of miss strike it or miss hit it and it just starts spinning crazy, it can spin way up in the air and go nowhere. Yeah. Or if it starts going a little offline, it spins even more and goes even further offline. So that's what I think we'll see is potentially something to the equipment, but not necessarily, but um, probably the ball changing. Yeah. And I also liked, um, and I also like the idea of just, especially in tour, tour um, tournaments, like at specific places, especially majors, making, making the course just dif- more difficult with 
the rough and just everything being more gnarly. Mm-hmm. For instance, I like the U.S. Open. Where was that at this year? Uh, Brookline, just outside of Massachusetts. Okay, at the, the Country Club. And it was like, what? What? what who won? Who won uh, that? Matthew Fitzpatrick. And what was the winning score? It was like eight uh, under. Or? I want to say it was a little higher than that, but yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It was right around eight under. It's something, you know, it wasn't 20 under. For sure. Which, and then I think it was even maybe the, maybe it's Saturday. I mean, every the leader was like three under, four. I like that. Yeah. I want it to be hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to say, if I'm remembering correctly, that was where, like, if you hit it in the rough, you, it was just it's brutal. Almost, almost hard to even see the golf ball. Yeah. It's like, it's like under six inches of grass, and you're just trying to hack it out and get it back in play. Yeah, so it's like maybe... um you know, playing at courses that are specifically honed in to making the conditions even more difficult for tour players, you know, um, making it less forgiving for your mistakes. So it's like, yeah, you can hit driver, but if you hit driver a little bit off, you're going to be in the gunch to where making them have to play specific, you know, iron shots into fairways, into par fours, where they're not just beasting it down there. And I know there are courses out there like that now, but I could see, I think that would be cool if, you know, it's like, hey, well, we can't make this course. This is a legendary course. We can't make it any longer. We've, we've tapped out that, you know. So let's just grow up the everything really, really tall and add a few things here and there. And it's like, I don't know. It's It's a... It's kind of a sticking point there, though, because that's also not going to be fun for us to watch that every single week. True. So you don't want that every week. You want the variety. Like you want to go play the course like Augusta that everything looks perfectly beautiful and manicured and the greens are severely sloped. And, you know, is it the hardest golf course in the world? No, but it's so like nuanced that you have to you have to know exactly how those putts break based on the elevation and the creeks and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I definitely want to go to the U.S. Open and have them be like, yeah, try and make the score as high as possible. Like, let's watch these players work for it. Um, and then places like the old course where it's like, yeah, that golf course, there wasn't a green blade of grass on it. It was brown. It was all baked out the ball hit the road the you could basically bounce it like a basketball the golf ball hit the fairway and took off and sometimes that meant you took off and got way closer to the hole sometimes that meant that took off and you went in a terrible bunker and had a bad shot so yeah. i think that it's right, a, little vari- a little variety yeah helps, and, you, and you, know? you need and you need variety as well for just you know watching it week to week it it's uh it, that that's I mean that's one of the biggest advantages that golf has when it compares to other sports you know is yeah basketball you know basketball hoops always going to be 10 feet high the free throw line's always going to be 15 feet away like all those types of things and it's much more uniform it's who gets the best of who on any given day um, what golf kind of has more of is like oh man this course is a bombers paradise like if you can hit your driver 350 yards down the fairway you are the one that is going to be able to score the best and finish and other courses are like yeah i mean it doesn't really matter how far you hit it you're still going to be asked to hit really difficult shots yeah um into the green 
work it both right to left and left to right going into it. So I think that variety of all of those is, is different. And then also if it's just make the rough as thick as possible everywhere on every course, I mean, we're going to get bored watching that too. Cause it's going to yeah. be like, Oh, miss the fairway. He's in the hacking rough. around, hack it out, hack it out. <laughs> But yeah, I do like to watch that. I do like to watch that at least a, a couple times a year. Makes me feel better. Like, oh, for okay, sure. Okay. For sure. And like most of the golf courses I play are not very hard. Like there are some really hard ones I play, but like not, you know, PGA Tour quality hard right. where, you know, you miss the fairway and you're in six inches of rough. Like I, my score would balloon by like 50 shots if I was playing on some of those courses. Yeah, no, I just, I, I couldn't imagine, but uh you're right. It does help my psyche to see that every now and then, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, there's, there's still shanking it and chipping it around, having to chip it around out of the rough and it's all good. There's, you know? there's uh there, there's a couple definitely golf. And then one of my other hobbies, which I, I'm not, I definitely don't play as much or do as much as I did when I was a little bit younger, um, is poker. You know, okay. I used to play a lot of poker and be really into that. And like, honestly, the most appealing thing to me about the two of those is you can't perfect either of them. You can never be perfect at golf. You can never <sighs> so be perfect true. at like playing poker. It's a different test, a different challenge every single day. You can learn and study and use mm-hmm. a lot of things to like get better. But like, you'll see, you know, the some of the best players in the world make a just completely mental mistake where they've hit the same shot a thousand times before and did it right. And that one time they, you know, maybe had a little bit of, you know, uh, lack of confidence or a bad thought that came in their head or, you know, they got distracted by something and, oh man, they hit a bad shot and it didn't work out. And now they're in a really bad spot. So that's one of the things I like about golf. Like now is just, you know, uh, you know, somebody who's like a weekend hacker who likes to just go out and play for fun is like seeing myself get better. Um, and then also like, you know, testing yourself and challenging yourself of like, Oh, well I hit that drive over here this day and that worked out well. Well, that doesn't mean I'm like, Oh, I'm never going to play this hole again because I already did it. I figured it out. It's like part of that, like repetition (laughs) and seeing how you can replicate it and do it over and over again. And you know, it's like, it's like progress in anything. Like it feels good when you, um, put in time and practice at something and get better. And then you see a result and you're like, man, I'm happy. I'm proud of that result. That's kind of one of the things I like about the podcast is just like, just putting one out there, putting one out there. It's like, I don't know how long this is going to last, but it does feel good to just complete something, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, golf, what a, you know, what's so funny about golf is that I really, 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 really enjoy golf now. Um, but talk about a game that can make you go completely insane. You know what I mean? Especially in competition and stuff. And, and like the way that golf, how you compete in golf, uh, and the higher level that you go, for instance, the pros, they're playing 18 holes, four days in a row, you know, and they're playing, you know, golf leading up to that. Mm -hmm. And then like in college, like when I was playing junior college, the first you would play two day tournaments. It'd be thirty six holes walking the first day, and then eighteen the next. And just like 
brutal. And what other sport are you doing? Are you having to, you know, I mean, you're, you're going through a journey, you know, and it's so long and, oh my gosh, but talk about a game that's so fun. It's so funny because for me personally, I've had some of the lowest moments of my life on the golf course and I've had some of the best moments of my life. Just like, there's nothing like when the sun's out, not too strong when it's not 105, when it's like (laughs) perfect day out, the sun's out, you're out on the course, you're with some friends or you're with your parent. Like me and my dad, we love to play golf together. And it's just like that perfect moment, you know, it's the best. But then it also, you can see how when you're watching people in a tournament too, you can see that envelope of like tension and pressure and, oh my gosh, it's so interesting to see people battle it out. And it's not fun to be in that position too. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, I would say it's what part of what makes it different is in, you know, let's say a, a sport like basketball or football, like the other team is looking for your weakness and they're trying to expose it. Um, in golf, it's typically yourself. Like you, you, you expose your own weaknesses yourself. Um, you're competing yeah. against the golf course. You are also competing against everybody else, but but right, you, everybody, yeah. everybody is truly competing against themselves and the golf course. Yeah. Um, to get out there, and then you know, I have a group of guys that I usually play with on like Sunday mornings, like you know, try and get out there, especially right now when it's hot, like try and get out there as early as possible, you know, six fifteen, six thirty in the morning, try and finish before 11. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we love to, you know, be playing for literally a dollar, $2, $3 and just absolutely like talking shit to each other. And like, you know, just like absolutely having the time of your life, but also like, I want to beat this guy like, so bad. I want bad. to win. Yeah, I cannot <laughs> handle this right now. I mean, I'll do anything to win. No, that's so funny. I, I love it. I love it. Um, so you like golf. You've got the podcast. And you like TV shows. What else are you interested in? I... That's a good question. You um, like to read? I see a book right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we could talk about that book uh, here in a second. That's for you. I totally want to. I brought I brought that for you. It's oh a, hell yeah! You, actually, I I don't know if people uh, listening might know this, but um, I'm actually just kind of returning the favor because uh, you uh, actually came on my podcast and I got a chance to interview you and kind of talk to you about specifically music because. I, I love music. I love live music. I love going to shows. Um, but I have zero musical talent or ability. I've never really picked up an instrument. I always played sports and never really did music. So okay. never got into it. But I got a chance to talk to you all about your creative process, the band, what, yeah. you know, how you write songs, how you think about that kind of stuff. Um, and so I was honored to be on uh, on the Malfunction Pod and get a chance to come hang out with you. And uh, yeah, I brought you I brought you this book. Um, it's called The Anthropocene Reviewed, Essays on a Human-Centered Planet. Um, so it's by the author John Green, um, who's actually probably most famous for writing like... Um, 
like young adult um kind of like teen uh you know teen novels stories like uh he wrote if you've heard of like the fault in our stars which was like a they turned into a movie and uh-huh. looking for alaska and paper towns um and then him and his brother are like hugely successful youtubers that have been on youtube basically for like 15 years now basically since okay. like right around when Damn. youtube uh, was created um I loved, you know, reading his other books and stuff, but this is actually probably my favorite book of his and probably my favorite book I read last year. Um, so it start, the book actually started out as a podcast. Um, and what it is, is he would release this podcast once a month. Um, it would be about 30, 40 minutes long. And each podcast, he would take two topics um, and he would review them on a five-star scale because um, his part of his premise was like, how arbitrary is it that like every single thing on Amazon, whatever, whatever, it's like review it. Like how many stars do you give it? Four stars, five stars, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he wanted to just review like humanity and life and all these different things. So, you know, he'll have, uh, uh, he loves like, Diet Dr. Pepper. So like one of his essays is like reviewing Diet Dr. Pepper. And then he'll spend 15 minutes going into like who created it? Why does it founded? Where did it come from? And there's episodes or there's, uh, yeah. So all these different episodes about, you know, famous historical moments, certain, you know, artists, paintings, all these different things. Um, And I can't remember which one of your episodes I was listening to, but one of your earlier episodes of the pod, um, I was listening to it and uh, I think, I can't remember which one. It was a it was a guy that you had on who was talking about books he had been reading. Josh Willis, probably. Um, probably. We and were you talking me- about books. Yeah, and you mentioned something about books or something about types of things like you like to read or something. And I was like, oh, I bet I bet Mal would dig this book. So, yes. Um, so I'm gonna, I'll leave that here for you. Cool. Thank um, you so much. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do love to read, um, but I... I honestly have found that the last couple years, my reading has gone way down because my podcast listening has gone way up. Okay. Um, so maybe some of the things I used to get from reading, I, I kind of consume and get out of podcasts. And then I also kind of got into like audiobooks. So mm-hmm. um, typically right now, or at least I would say for the last year or so, uh, when I do... Um, find a book I, I i typically lean towards like oh let me just pull that up on a audible or you know whatever audiobook platform and listen to it there yeah. um but yeah when i'm not well i gotta start working again here soon but when i'm not working um playing golf um recording the inevitables pod um I, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously hanging out with my wife a lot. Um, you know, we've been married for almost seven years. Um, we met in college and, um, where did y'all go to school? Uh, university of North Texas. Okay. Up in Denton. Um, great, great place to go to college. Um, it's grown so much now, but like, I felt like a pretty kind of small college town at the time. I think it's gotten so much bigger now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm obviously spending a lot of time with my wife. Uh, we we love, like, probably our main hobby is, like, which uh, is probably, like, eating and drinking. Like, going to restaurants. Yeah. Um, we're, we're really big into just trying new places. 
go into our favorite places. What's your favorite place in Dallas? Or if you could name like two or three, if you can't name a fave. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I love, I love Homewood. In, Never uh, heard of it. Homewood. Uh, so it's on Oaklawn. Um, it's a small little restaurant. They are, um, it's like, I would say it's kind of high end, but it's not like the super, super high end where like everything is like a, you know, hundred dollar steak or something like that. Their, their menu is just really interesting. It changes all the time based on like what seasonally they have. Um, but they, they also have a really, really like good pastry chef who's like won lots of awards. And so like, it's probably my biggest review for the place is that it is the only restaurant that Shelby and I go to that like we order dessert 100% of the time and it's not a question. Yeah. So many places we go we're like, yeah, we had an appetizer, a couple drinks, like, ah, not really hungry. Don't, don't have any more room for dessert. Always get dessert there. Um, so that's, uh, that's one of them that I love. Um, there's another one, Beverly's, um, okay. which is on kind of like Knox, Knox Henderson uh, area. Um, there is just like a really cool, you is know. Is that like um, kind of by Forest? Yeah. It's yeah. like kind of on that little corner? Yes. Okay. I've, I've driven by there a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's, it's, a, it's a cool little spot. Also, you know, just good food and then. Um, one that I feel, I feel I have to shout out just because, um, probably my favorite place to go sit at the bar. And, um, it's something that Shelby and I like to do is like, if we're going to go grab dinner and we don't have a reservation, like we'd love to just go sit at the bar somewhere. Um, there's a place in Victory Park, um, called Billy Can Can, um, which when I say what it sounds like, it just always sounds weird. But the way I describe <laughs> it is it's like an upscale saloon. Okay. So there's like, you know, it's it's almost like a hunting lodge slash saloon where there's like animals like on the wall and like, you know, a hunting rifle on the wall. But then it's like a, you know, kind of like an old school, like old timey kind of like saloon looking type yeah. place is kind of like the vibe. Um Part of the reason there is that they have some of the best bartenders in Dallas and uh, a couple like one of the only places I go right now where like the bartenders know us. We walk in, they shake our head. Good to see you, (laughs) you know, throw us the odd free drink here and there. Um, And, uh, you know, we just have a good time hanging out and we can we can walk there if it's not too hot. Um, Drive there, you know, if it is hot. But uh, that's a good one. But. Always, we're just looking for new places. That's cool. Um, That's and cool. then I like to cook myself. Um, and oh shoot! Okay. Yeah, I don't like. I definitely like. I like to cook for. I, well, let me rephrase it. I like to cook for myself. Like I don't. I've never, you know, gotten too big into like. Oh, you know, I'm creating my own recipes and testing things out, and I want to, you know, showcase that and like bring them to people or anything like that. It's sure. more just like it's relaxing to me to, um, you know, look in the fridge and be like, what do we have? We got this ingredient, this ingredient, this ingredient. Oh, I can whip up this dish or I can make this, um, versus just kind of like, Oh, I'm going to make this and I'm going to follow a recipe, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I like kind of that creativity when it comes to, uh, to cooking. That's cool. I, I, I wish I knew how to cook a little bit more. That's kind of a goal. Uh, cause when we got married, we got, quite a bit of new stuff you know what i mean um 
Man, I got a cool grill. I got one of those Blackstone flat grills. Yeah, it's yeah. It's pretty badass. No, like, those are really cool. Yeah, so, but <clears throat> so hot outside right now, it's hard to grill. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, it's so hot. I don't even understand. Like, I'm from Texas, and I don't know. This just, this seems really hot. So, I don't know what's going on. I, it's just. We were, we were having that conversation the other day just about, like, yeah, this, this is different. This is. This is the worst one in definitely a while. How know, long have you lived here at this uh, point? I've been in Texas for 14 years. Oh, so you've been here for a while at this yeah. point. Like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. This heat is weird. It's weird hot. Makes me want to move somewhere different. But. Oh, for sure. I've, for the first time in my life, I've been open to the idea of like living somewhere where it snows because <laughs> yeah. like in my whole like I grew up in Southern California and then I moved to Dallas and like yeah we will get you know maybe one or two days of snow a year but like I'm talking like a place where it's like oh yeah you know three months of the year there's snow on the ground I've always been like hell no that's horrible I would never want to do that like I want to live somewhere where it's just going to be like year-round good weather and all that kind of stuff and i'm like well what i've found out now is like yes the the winter is nice here in dallas like you know with with the exception of the odd like arctic polar vortex freeze we had a couple years ago Um, but for the most part the winters are nice like you can you can basically play golf like all winter long with the exception of like maybe you'll miss like three four weeks because um, and it's not consistent. It'll be like, oh, it's 20 degrees this weekend. Stay inside. And then be like, oh, next weekend it's 50 degrees. I'm like, oh, yeah, 50 yeah. degrees. Perfect. Let's go yeah. play golf. Um, but I think I've I've starting to realize that I like cold better than hot. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, man, if like because right now it's like there's three months of the year that are just brutal and suck. And I'm like, why do we, why do we live here again when it comes yeah. to, uh, to that? So I would say for the first time in my life, I've actually been like, yeah, I could see myself living somewhere that has snow on the ground for like three months of the year. Um, if the summers are like, you know, 80, 80, 85 degrees max. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think who I have a friend right now that is in Ireland and they got, they like, took a screenshot of their phone because they got a weather alert. It was like excessive heat alert and it was 75 degrees there. Crazy. <laughs> they were just, oh my gosh. If you could do anything in the whole wide world for a job, quote unquote job, without worrying about money or wherever you had to live, what would you do? I would... Going back to what I said initially about just kind of like liking change and like always wanting to like try new things and do new things, I think I would need it to be like multiple things. Um, I'm sure there's a job out there that I could maybe find and be like, this is it. I love it. I never want to do anything else. Um, But the few things that come to mind are, um, you know, I've mentioned this, you know, a little bit with like how much I like like movies and television. Um, I think being on the like production studio side of things where it's like, hey, we have this story. Um, 
we, you know, let's go find the best writer to help us put this story together. Let's go find the best director, the best cinematographer, the best actor, actress, all that kind of stuff. Like, I think that would be a really interesting and an also kind of marry some of like what I do for an actual career now, yeah. which is I find people and I hire people and I do, a, you know, I negotiate salaries and I do that kind of stuff. Like, those are the those are what I'm doing every day is like talking to people about what they want, where they see their life going, what their career goals like are, all that kind of stuff. It would be really cool to take that and, you know, instead of the tech industry, you know, apply it to like, oh, man, let's tell stories and create art and do that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I think being, you know, I'm. I feel too much of a chicken to say that I would want to be like, oh, I would want to direct and I'd want to act and I'd want to do this. But like being in that world and being somebody that is like, oh, this person helps tie everything together, I think would be really cool. Um, also, I, I really want to have there, there's two different there's two different types of things I want to do in the, the golf world. Um I want to, it would be really cool to own like a kind of like destination type like golf course, uh-huh. like a place where, you know, people are like, oh man, let's put it on our bucket list for like a buddy's trip. Uh, a good example of one is like there's this place in Bandon, Oregon, along like the cliffs, along the coastline where this guy has built a resort out there um you know he's been doing it for a long time it's not his first resort he's ever built but it's like five golf courses it's beautiful it's some of the best golf courses in the world and people you know they basically you have to sign up like two years in advance to play there because there's like such high demand it would be really cool to be in that um just kind of setting but on a much smaller scale i would love to have and not you know, you know, I guess going with your stipulations and conditions, I would love to have a, like a small kind of like almost like urban, like in somewhere in relatively close to the city center, uh-huh. like uh like pitch and putt where it's, you know, like a little nine hole course with, you know, 30 to a hundred yard shots. You just walk around with like a wedge and a putter. And then as a part of that, it's like, it's a bar, it's a food truck, it's a little golf shop. It's, you know, kind of marrying like some of the restaurant, you Mm -hmm. know, stuff that I like as well as some of like the golf stuff that I like. Um, And then also being in a place that's, you know, a little bit more like urban and walkable and accessible to to people. Um, So that's like, that one I see out of all of those is something of like, no, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that one of these days. Like hopefully, you know, <laughs> me and the wife are, are successful enough that we have some money that we can put into that. And, you know, maybe it's not a, uh, maybe it's not a career. Maybe it's an investment and in getting together with some other people, but kind of funding an idea like that. That's a cool idea. It's kind of a, <clears throat> it's kind of bridging putt-putt. And top golf, yeah, 
and because like I've I've played at several courses where they have like a little par three pitching mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. where you can practice on and stuff, but it's not like in a social setting, a true social setting where yeah. like Top Golf is. Yeah, and so that's an interesting idea. I think mm-hmm. you're onto something. Yeah, there. there's some really cool ones across the across the country. And, okay, so they um, already have them. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen things like this, and it it, it exists. Um, but you know, I, I kind of going along with what you said, like I, there's a, I didn't like, I didn't grow up golfing, but right down the street from my cousin, um, was this golf course that had one of those little nine hole pitch and putts where, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure the longest hole on that thing is like 110, 120 yards. And then the shortest one's like 40. So, you know, it's truly, you can go around with two clubs maybe three clubs Mm -hmm. and hit all the shots and like play around like that whole course and you just go out there and like you you really learn like short game like playing those types of places you learn how to hit every chip shot how to hit every wedge shot um and putt and then yeah i think that like that's where you know it not being attached to like another like a full 18 hole golf course you can you know kind of take like kind of the environment i would say a little bit of like the top golf of like oh everybody get together it's like food and beverage and having a good time but like where top golf is more like bowling where it's like yeah even if you don't golf you can go out there and like you hit it's like a little bit more like golf centric of like people that are you know probably a little bit more like for example like somebody who doesn't play golf like you're going to take them to top golf and like hit a bunch of golf shots and they're going to have fun and they're going to be fine. You're probably not going to take them like, all right, well this one's, you know, 80, 80 yards away. Like hit this shot, hit that <laughs> shot. Yeah. I'll putt from here. This is for bogey. Like all of that kind of stuff. You're not going to get probably that in depth. Uh, yeah. With them. You're losing, you're losing some people at that point, but you're also gaining some people at that point, like for a certain reason, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to, I want to return the question to you. I'm sure you've probably okay. answered okay. that before, but like, what what is it for you if i could do anything um i would do just that i would do anything i wanted to do every day <laughs> mm-hmm. i would wake up and say today i want to do x today i want to do y you know like um what i i would just love i love to ponder life you know, that's, I really, or just, that's where I kind of am, am at, but I feel like I've always been like that, where it's really weird to me if I think, if I sit here too long, I'm like, what are we all doing? Like, what are we doing? We're going to these jobs every day, and I, like, I totally, on the other hand, I totally understand, like, I live in a society, these are things, like, I could truly change it if I wanted to, mm-hmm. if I put as much effort of, if I wanted to, I could move off the grid, but every gift has its price. That's kind of how I look at it. But um, I don't know. I just, I'm super interested in like what the hell is going on here. I'm like looking up at the stars. I see planets and I'm, it's very interesting to me. And so um, I don't know. I, I would like more time to just think and experience and um, probably be outside with, the plants and animals doing like some sort of farming and stuff like that. Probably there'd be some music in there. It would just be whatever I wanted to that day. Like a lot of creative stuff. Just, um, 
you know, painting and yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, um, I don't have like a super specific thing that I'm like, this is what I want to do. You know, I really just would love, like, I just ache to just do what I want to do every day. Yeah. <laughs> and I know this seems really weird, but yeah, I think that, I think that what's interesting and, you know, maybe like a small through line between both of our answers and like something that I definitely notice in myself uh, compared to my wife, compared to friends I know is like, I don't necessarily have like career aspirations. Like <laughs> I've never had like a, you know, oh, like I want to start this business and create this idea and like turn it into this amount of money. Like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely enjoy having resources but it's because i want the resources to do whatever i want um and uh so i think kind of that through line is just like yeah doing whatever you want but like not not being like 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 some and and the world needs the people that are like oh man i want to build the biggest you know whatever the biggest you know beer you know brewery in the world because i love doing it and i want to make a lot of money and i want to bring the product to all these people or i want to do this and make it the best in the world and the biggest in the world and like make all this money i i definitely trend more towards you in that area of just like yeah i mean what i do isn't like that important like in the grand scheme of life and so like i do you know, sometimes it feels selfish to be like, no, I'm, I'm kind of just like focused on like me and like what I want to do. But I think about it in the way of like, because like, that's what we all should be doing. Like, you shouldn't be worrying about what other people think you should do and want you to do. Like, I think we should all be focused on just like what we want to do. And a lot, a big part of that will, you know, inevitably be taking care of the people you love and like being with the people you love. Like that's some of like my happiest, my favorite times is when I'm just like, you know, on a vacation with a big group of people that I love. And we just like have all the food and drink and whatever we want at the house. And we just chill. We play games, listen to music, play whatever, you know, do whatever we want. It's like, those are the types of things where I'm like, yeah, do what you want. We should all be trying to do what we want to do. Yeah, I agree with you. And 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 sometimes people can have like a knee-jerk reaction, I think, to being like, yeah, I, I really am focusing like on myself. And it's like, but if you really get down to it, I, I think that's kind of, yeah, you can twist that in a way where it's like, you're being selfish. But no, actually, I think we should all be more, uh, you know, focused on ourselves in a way that's beneficial to ourself, you know, you got to pay attention to yourself to make improvements, to grow, to face things about yourself that you, you know, need to change. And if you aren't, if you aren't worried about yourself, then you may not be showing up the way that you need to show up in your life. Like, and I think that we see that sort of in a collective with just the state in which, we function as a society, you know? Um, and it's like, you know, it may do us some 
some good to like have some self-reflection like what are we doing here why are we doing the things that we're doing what are the things that are important to us why like why do I do the things that I'm doing and is it so wrong for me to be um you know more like have a pull to live differently and to have different interests than the than the thing that has been served to me all my life you know um just like the typical mundane you know, ways that we live life and stuff, but like, and also it didn't, and it doesn't have to be this, like, you don't have to have, you don't have to have all these major, you know, groundbreaking achievements to, to, to have a very wholesome experience here, you know, as a human being, like that's first and foremost, we're on a freaking rock that's spinning around a ball of fire. I've, I've been thinking, cause I hear you say this on the pod <laughs> and I, like, ever since the, the pictures came out, I'm like, how much are you digging the, uh, the James Webb space telescope? It's just like those pictures. Do that, we need any more confirmation that we are, we got it twisted? Yeah. Like we're, um, so small, but also we, we are here, you know, like I'm very aware of like how intriguing my experience is, but like, it is interesting, you know, just kind of taking a couple steps back and seeing things like from a bigger point of view. And that's what those telescope pictures make you do. Like, it just seems yeah. like we're going, you just go further out and out and out. It's like, are we just a neuron in another huge <laughs> being's brain? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, go, going back a little bit to just kind of how society functions. And I think, something that's super interesting and important is that we need all different types of people to like truly operate because there are the people that, you know, just want routine. They thrive on, you know, going to their job, coming home, spending time with their family and they're like getting, the richness and fullness that any one of us is getting doing something that we love. And there are people that are like, you know, my, like I said, with business, like my mission is to create this thing that does the biggest, the most good for humanity. And we need like all of those types of people, um, as well in order to make sure that like, yeah, we all like, we all should, I think the moral of it going back is just like, we should all be accepting of what everybody is and wants to do and wants to be and realizing that like we can all make this better for each other and all of us versus, you know, it takes all kinds of kinds versus this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way you have to do it. This is the way you should do it. Totally. And that that could lead into like forty five more conversations that we we well, don't need to have. But it does kind of lead into a question that I do have for you. <laughs> With all that being said, um, what do you think the meaning of life is? Like, what are we doing here? Do you? And this is just totally your opinion, and it can be abstract or specific. But what's kind of your hunch of what? are we doing here? I mean, the, the truest, most honest answer I can give you is that I have zero idea and zero clue. Um, I think that like we, I mean, part of it is like 
scientifically, I think we're an, an animal and an ecosystem on this planet. And the fact that we have thoughts and we find, you know, enjoyment and pleasure in different, you know, just things that we create on this world is like, to me, that's like, honestly, like part of it. Cause it's like, when you break down like science wise, like we are another species on this planet, just like a, you know, a whale or a tiger or whatever. But like, we also happen to be one that can talk and articulate and create things and, you know, make art and do all that. And so like, I think that's part of it as far as like what we're doing um, and what we should be doing. Um, but as far as like, as far as like what, you know, what the answers to all the big questions are and why we're here and all of that kind of stuff. I honestly, I, I really find solace in like not thinking about it that much. I know you talked about like wanting to like look at the stars and think about like why we're here. Like, I almost like take a little bit of like, um, you know, pleasure and enjoyment and like looking at those pictures of the space telescope that shows us billions and billions of years and just being like, cool, I'm a part of it. I'm, you know, one tiny little grain of sand in that universe. And like, that's cool. That, that seems like enough for me. That's, that's cool. I like yeah. that. I like that answer very much. It's uh and you're right, we are a part of it and whatever's going on is going on and yeah. <laughs> we're along for the ride. I was I was having this conversation <laughs> with my uh my father in law yesterday because he was getting ready to go on a plane and he doesn't fly very much. And uh he He was saying his last goodbyes. He was basically <laughs> yeah, he doesn't fly very much and he was just like, Once I'm up there, like I have like no control, like there's nothing I can do. And I was like, yeah, every time I'm on a plane, I think the exact same thing, except I think like, yeah, I have no control. Like there's nothing I could do while we're up here. I'm not going to, you know, f I'm not going to save us all if someone needs to like fly the plane. I'm like, I'm just up here. Like it's not really nothing I can like think or do or worry is going to change the outcome of like this plane going from like point A to point B. Yeah. Um, so like there are probably areas of my life when I, um, probably need to like maybe not stress but like maybe like care and worry more than I do but I think in a lot of ways where that benefits me is when I'm just like yeah that doesn't really like work me up now don't get me wrong there are plenty of things that work me up and get me riled up and get me anxious um but I would say like the big stuff, like questions like that, and those types of thoughts are like, who the hell am I to even like yeah. posit an answer? When it, and it goes back to what you're saying, like it takes all kinds of kinds. And it's like, if everybody was like me, we'd just all be looking up at the freaking stars all day and nobody would <laughs> be getting shit done, you know? So uh, it probably is good to have somebody that's like, ah, that's cool, but we're going to move right along here. Oh my gosh. Just. <laughs> You know, I want to, like, that. that is one of the kind of, like, next creative projects for me is something, something movie, television, 
okay related when it comes to like podcasting okay um and i don't know what that looks like yet so this isn't an announcement this isn't like a coming to a podcast (laughs) app near you it's just like yeah i mean that's it's what i spend so much of my time doing like the shows that i love like part of the reason i love the shows is that i'm after I watched the new episode, I'm like listening to one of my favorite podcasters break down the episode. And then I'm reading interviews with the showrunner, someone who create worked on the show and finding out more of the details. And it's like, I love going really granular. And like, I, I basically, when I love something, like I just, I go deep. Like I, yeah, I want to like know everything it, yeah. about it. So um, that's, uh, that's definitely something in the future for me that's cool yeah i don't, yeah. Know, I don't know what it's going to be yet i don't know what it's going to look like i've had some ideas i've thought of some things and do you like horror movies or do you have any sort of interest in that or i i mean i like some horror movies it's not it's not like the genre that i'm like oh every new horror movie i can tell you all the best directors mm. i can tell you the the history behind this movie that movie What's uh what's your favorite genre? Um I like I mean so honestly one of the one of the ways it started for me. So I always loved movies um as a kid and like I think my mom kind of was one that would like like rewatching movies and like you know mm-hmm. when you catch a movie on cable and you're like oh I've seen this one before like let me pick it up. Like I love rewatching movies. Yeah. Um and in fact one of my favorite podcasts is uh, the rewatchables. Um, if you've if you've uh-uh. never heard of it, they basically will have like an hour and a half podcast, like breaking down um, some famous movie, and they have all these different categories, and there's just some some great podcasters and content that comes out of there. Um, but yeah, I feel like my mom would like rewatch movies a ton, and there was a lot of them that I liked and, you know, my mom loved kind of like, she loved a lot of like, kind of like, you know, maybe more sappy, like romance ones, which like wasn't always my cup of tea as like, you know, a 10 year old boy, which makes sense. Um, but she also loved like, uh, like action, like nineties action movies, nineties thriller movies. Um, and so like, I loved watching those. I loved rewatching those. So I, I really go back to those a lot. And then, when I got to college, this is, um, it's like somewhat modern, but also still kind of outdated is, uh, at UNT, they had a media library that, um, you could rent, um, cause they had a decent like film school at yeah. UNT. They had a media library where you could rent, um, DVDs and you could get like, I want to say it was like five at a time or something like that and and i but the thing is you didn't know what they had in stock until you got to the library and then you had to look it up on a computer to see what they had available um but i basically went to like imdb so like internet movie database Uh not sure if you go on there familiar but like i spend so much time on there just being like 
oh, I'm watching this movie. Who directed it? What else did they direct? Oh, they worked on that movie. Who was in that movie? Where did that person come from? Where did they go? Like I go down all these like rabbit holes all the time. Yeah. So IMDb had like their, you know, top 250 and it was kind of like user generated of like, these are the top 250 movies of all time. And like, you know, there's a lot of them that kind of get added newer, more recent. And I was just kind of like, all right, well, like, let me just watch all these and like go down the list. So what I was, was just, number one. Um, I think number one was Shawshank Redemption. Okay. on there for a long time. I thought it was which, gonna be Gone with the Wind. It's no, it's probably up there. It's probably like top twenty. But yeah. like Shawshank Redemption, The Godfather's right up there. Um, so anyway, I basically just started like, all right, like now that I'm in college and on my own, and I don't have any kind of like you know i don't have to be like hey can we watch this movie like mom and dad can we watch this do you want to watch this it was more like all right i can literally watch any movie i want and i have access to it through this library so i just started like going down a list of like all right let's watch all these movies um and that's uh that's probably like where it really kind of started oh genre wise though like um i you know i love kind of like psychological thrillers but i also really like drama um, um, and that, that kind of led into me, um, kind of starting a yearly tradition of watching all the movies that get nominated for like the Academy Awards. Okay. So I usually would try and watch every single movie that got nominated before the awards. And then, so it's like, I'm obviously not somebody who's voting on who wins, but I'm basically like doing the homework of like, yeah. let me watch every single movie. And then I'm going to tell you what I think should yeah. win. And <laughs> then, you know, with more modern times that leads into like, let me listen to podcasts about people who do the same thing. Um, so that's where a lot of my, do my you have time like and a, energy gets spent. No, I mean that, and that's, that's legit though. Um, do you have like a favorite movie of all time? On top of your list? One of my favorites, um, which kind of goes back to like playing poker is like Rounders. Okay. Rounders is one of my favorites of all time. Um, I really love, I love Wes Anderson movies. I love David Fincher, um, his movies, um, particularly like Zodiac and okay. uh, The Social Network um, are two of his that are favorites of mine. Um yeah, I mean, I you know I I loved like the Lord of the Rings. We've talked about we've uh, talked about this before. I forgot. I forgot that we've talked about this. Lord before. of the Rings, that's my jam right yeah, there. So I was I'm, just I'm thinking about that's like really interested to see what this show looks like. So you know the show's coming out in September. Okay. Um, that's kind of supposed to be like thousands of years before the Lord of the Rings. I've and, heard about the show, but I I haven't really looked into it. So, I'm, um. Interested to see. I hope it's good. I I'm not fully convinced it's going to be like really good. Yeah. But basically, Amazon bought the rights to like Tolkien's life work, basically. So Amazon now Amazon now owns that, and they can they're they're basically trying to create their own like Game of Thrones. So they want to have they want to make a show that's going to be just as commercially and popular, like successful as Game of Thrones, while at the same time, Game of Thrones has their prequel series. Um, I think it's like House of the Dragon or House of Dragon, something like that. That's going to be coming out soon as mm. well. See, I never watched Game of Thrones, though. 
Yeah, I it's not I've I haven't really seen I haven't seen all of it. For me watching as many shows and like TV, it's like it was never one that I got super into and then when I heard everybody talk about how bad like the final season was i was like well now i don't even want to watch it yeah disappoint yourself <laughs> yeah like that. yeah caroline is uh, nodding her head at agreement yeah i don't know i i don't know if i could um do the whole game of thrones just so long it's really hard for me to sit that long you know what i mean but i do love some lord of the rings like i you know people are like those movies are really long but they are but i usually watch those over a few days yeah you know yeah. what i mean for sure. De- definitely during the holidays, it's on. Yeah. The turn of fall, I turn it on. I mean, there's certain parts of the year that I'm like, oh, I got to have it on. <laughs> yeah. I I, t- I try to watch them like once a year. Just as like a, it's one of my favorite movies. Let's watch them once a year. And I put them on last week. Um, and I was I, I mentioned I was like staying up all night watching all the golf that was going on in Scotland and uh-huh. everything and so I was on a super messed up sleep schedule um, and then I was like laying on the couch and had Lord of the Rings on and was kind of watching it but then kind of closing my eyes and I like realized that I can like just basically watch it with my eyes closed almost because I'm like <laughs> You've seen him so many times. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the scene where, you know, Gimli's about to hit that guy with an axe. And then yeah. Legolas is about to do the thing where he slides the shield down the stairs and shoots a bunch of arrows at people. And you're just like in your head, you're just like, yep, yep. That sound effect goes along with like what I'm imagining in my head right now. So it's that's like a probably, comfort, you know, yeah, it's... that's, you know, that some some of the rewatching is like comfort. And then some of the rewatching is just like that movie blows me away. How did they do that? Let me like try and figure it out. Let me watch it. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm watching like TV shows and movies, like a lot of times I'm like, you know, I'm literally trying to think of like, okay, this actor is standing in front of camera. What's the person behind the camera doing? How are they moving around like in this scene to kind of create that effect? And, um, that's what that's what I get excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting too. Did you read the Lord of the Ring books though? Yeah, once after I had already watched the movies. Same and for me. So it was like, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't. I probably didn't get the full experience of if it would have been the other way around. Did you like um, the Hobbit movies? I've seen all of them one time, and felt fine while watching the movies like oh yeah cool nice and then i like martin freeman the guy who plays you know bilbo like he's fun um he's a good actor and i'm like yeah cool and then i've just never gone back and watched them again so um i can say i I like them but i it was just it was a different different thing also probably a different time like i you know the lord of the rings came out like what like 2002 2003 or 2001 two three something Mm -hmm. like that like I watched all of those movies in the theaters as like an, a, an 11 year old, a 12 year old, a 13 year old. So those are always going to, you know, kind of hold that special place. Totally. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking is like it, it was in the ballpark and it's not, and I don't hate them, you know? Um, but it's just, there's, it's just not the same per se, I guess. Um, and a lot of that may have to do with just the timing of whenever I watched the, the trilogy, um, but yeah, and I really enjoyed though, like reading the books, and I really enjoyed reading The Hobbit though, because it, it's like 
before Lord of the Rings series, and so it really helped lead into. There's just so much stuff out there that like with about Middle Earth that you can read into and stuff is pretty cool. That's why I'm I'm excited about the Amazon show, and I just I hope it's good. Yeah, it's like please do it justice, <laughs> and that's what I'm. I want it to look the same. I want it to have the same. I don't want it to get too goofy i don't know how to i don't even know how to articulate that but yeah i don't know or too cgi looking what what would you say is like i know you said you don't sit and watch like a ton of tv but like if you had to pick like a favorite tv series you've watched before what would it be um i liked schitt's creek i liked uh, I like The Office. Um, put me on the spot here. Let me see here. Um, yeah, that's if if you may if you said stuff. I mean, it's been so long since I've even like watched a full series. Shit's Creek was probably the last. Yeah, it's not that old. Yeah. That was like probably the last thing that I kept up with, watched all the way through. Um, yeah, and then some like I usually I'll go through like weird phases where I'll watch just random ass UFO documentaries and stuff like that. That was like a few years ago where I was just like watching a bunch of UFO stuff. Like that's what I, I'll watch weird ass documentaries. Um, but I don't even really do that now. I I watch. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I've been watching like how to build habitat stuff in like a day, survival shelters in a day, like digging in the ground or someone mowing a yard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like yeah, I get kind of like lost in the YouTube universe a little bit, but I don't know. That's I'm I'm kind of weird like that though. But I've been reading a lot more lately. I've been trying to read more. I'm not very fast, like I don't read very quick, and so, but I'm just like, I don't know, I just feel like it's helping my brain a little bit, it's better than just not doing anything at all, you know, so, do you still like to read physical books at all? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I still like it, and it's <clears throat> just, I would say it's fewer and far between that I get, like, fully sucked into one, mm-hmm. whereas, like, I used to, like, I had a goal for, I can't remember what year this was, maybe like 2017 or something. I was like, I was trying to read three books a month. Oh, yeah. And. Dang. Yeah. And so (laughs) it was like, it was one of those things where it was like, I'm reading every chance. Like, I I did that a lot in college where I was just like, you kind of always have a book with you and like you have a few minutes and you just, you sometimes you like stop in the middle of sentences because something comes up and you go do something. But like when you're picking the book up like multiple times every single day, doesn't matter that you stopped in a sentence. You can kind of pick right up. You read like two sentences back and you can kind of go. Um, now I find myself much more like reading a book, reading like the first few chapters and like enjoying it. And then maybe it's like a week before I pick it up again. Um, and that's a lot harder to like get through. Um, I still am trying like last year my goal was to read one book a month and I was like pretty close I didn't quite achieve it and I kept the same goal for this year and uh 
I've been I've been terrible. I think I've finished one or no, I've finished like two books so far this year, and then I've probably listened on audiobook to like another like three or four. So it's like still I'm getting that information yeah. just in a different form. Yeah. Um, but I. I, my apartment has like way too many books in it. So I've tried to like slow down the amount of books I buy oh, and yeah. kind of maybe focus on the ones I have because, you know, I would, for the previous 10 years, I bought them way faster than I could read them. So it's like, I still have so many books in my house that I just haven't read. So it's like, maybe just focus on those. <laughs> um, all right. I've got one more question for you here. Okay. All right. What is one major malfunction that has happened in your life? It can be at any point in your life, childhood, recently, that at the time it felt like it was the end of the world. But once you got through it and you look back, you're like, you know what? That actually was a part of my journey. It made me who I am today. And it turned out to be something good for you. All right. I love this question. Um, I was listening to one of your episodes this afternoon. I was like, oh shit, she's going to ask me this. I've heard her (laughs) ask this in every single pod. So I have to have an answer to it. Um, And I want like one came to mind immediately. And then I like sat and thought for a little while longer of maybe a better one. And it was probably a sign that like, you should probably just go with the answer that popped into your head immediately. (laughs) Um, And that's going to be, you know, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I grew up in California and I've been in Texas for 14 years. So I'm, I'm 32. So I spent my first 18 years in California and now my last 14 in Texas. And I knew for a year in advance that I was moving to uh, Texas Mm -hmm. because my dad got a job in Texas that moved him from California to Texas. And, um, you know, my parents are like, you know, they're together, they're still married and everything, but they like, were like, all right, you go to Texas and start your new job. Um, This was between my junior and senior year, like the summertime. Um, and my mom stayed in California so that I could stay there and like finish my senior year at the same high school I've been going to with like the same town I've grown up in, which was obviously awesome. Like I'm so thankful that they didn't (laughs) make me just take my senior year in like Texas. That would have sucked big time. Um, but still when it came down to actually like moving, like less than a week after my high school graduation, Mm. It was like pack up the moving truck, leaving, and I was rough. Like it was, I was, I was, I was pissed. I was mad at my parents. Um, like you know, I was eighteen, so yeah. it's like I technically could have been like, "Fuck you, mom and dad, I'm not coming," and like gone and somewhere else. But they were like, "Hey, we're moving to Texas. Like we'd love you to come with. Like, like we we really want you to. Like I, I hope you come. Like let's." you know, look at schools in Texas, all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, kind of felt like I didn't have a choice. Um, But anyway, you know, I moved to Texas, um, ended up uh, at University of North Texas in Denton, where, you know, there was like 30,000 students or something. And um, my sister, you know, moved as well. And so the only person I knew on a campus of like 30,000 people was my sister. Um, And, you know, 
Honestly, Damn. that was probably good for me and my sister's relationship because it kind of forced us to be like, well, shit, God, I, I'm hanging out with you or I'm hanging out with nobody. Um, and I, I hated it. I was mad. I, I looked for every reason to, to hate Texas and, you know, talk about how much better California is. And I, I even looked into transferring schools um, to move out to California. Um, I actually spent the first two the first two full summers. So between my freshman and sophomore year in college, and then between my sophomore and junior year in college, I moved to. I, I just I'd whatever shitty job I had, I'd just quit as soon as school ended, and I'd pack my car and I'd drive to California. And uh, my best friend Cameron, you know, still my best friend to this day. I would just live at his house and he went to West Point, was in the army. Oh, wow. And so he wasn't even there. So I was just living at his house with his family. They're the nicest, the best people. They're family to me. Like they took care of me a lot. Um, and I would just go to California and spend my whole summer there. And then every time it was end of summer or whatever to come back to Texas, I just, you know, it was like the same thing all over again, moving all over again. And I hated it. Um, and like, you know, obviously I, I can, you know, part of my job is I just pick up the phone and I talk to people. So like I can talk to people. I eventually started meeting people and, you know, finding some friends and getting to know some people. Um, and then honestly, probably like that junior year, um, that third year of college, uh, well, fun fact, like uh, very first day of junior year is the day I met Shelby. So that's uh, uh, my, my now wife. So that's a that's a nice kind of, uh, you know, sentiment and something that awesome happened. But even, you know, before like meeting her, like I did start to meet more people once I think I got out of the dorms and I found some guys to like rent a house with and started living with them. And then um, that also kind of concurrently was right around when I turned 21 and started, uh, I actually started going to this one bar that I eventually ended up bartending at for like three years, oh, Cool. met a lot of good people there. And, um, you know, honestly, looking back on like the town I grew up in, um, there's a little part of it that it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like a bubble. It's like a super it's like rated you know one of like the safest you know cities in america type thing it's like a super bubble you know 30 40 minutes north of uh la where there's like no diversity there's no it's like there's nothing no culture i'm like no i haven't seen like i've been in a bubble not exposed to like so much of the world and a lot of people stay there forever and like once again, it's the type of thing where it's like everything is good for certain people and there's certain people that are going to stay there the rest of their lives and like be super happy. And like, I am so thankful that I got out and saw something different than the one suburb that I had spent my entire life in. Um, so that combined with, you know, some of the friends I met, meeting my wife, all of that kind of stuff, um, you know, worked out. That's awesome. That's really, I, I was very interested because I knew that you grew up in California. So I'm glad that that was your answer because I didn't know how all that went down. I kind of assumed that you came here for college and I thought that may have, may have been just like a choice. You're like, Oh, I got into North Texas for whatever reason. 
So, man, that's that's very... It was very much not my choice to go to UNT. It was just kind of like... It was one of those things where I was like, I would love to stay in California. And my parents, you know, I think if I would have maybe put my foot down a little bit more and been like, no, I'm not moving to Texas. Like, you guys are crazy. I'm staying here. This is my home. This is where I grew up. Like, I'm sure I would have figured it out and I would have... Uh, you know, found my way in California and who knows where I would have gone from there and what the, the rest of life would have looked like. But I, it was kind of like, it was kind of a, it was a decision that I made without knowing I was making a decision. Cause like I said, I was 18 years old, like legally I would have had no problem being like, peace, yeah. not, not coming with you. I'm staying here. I'm going to go not go to college and get a job because I need to, now I'm on my own, I need to pay my bills. But I, you know, I came with my family and, um, you know, I think there were good things about that um, with, you know, my relationship with my family and, you know, I mean, being in a state where it's like, hey, the only people I know in this gigantic state of Texas are my mom and my dad and my sister. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that was always a good thing, but like it was it also... It's something, you th- know? Yeah, there was yeah. also good things that, that came out of it. Um, but yeah. How did you and Shelby meet? Um, the short version of the story is that I first day of class, junior year... Um, you know, I'm not the best student from the standpoint of like, especially when I got to college and I realized that like the majority of your grade was like two tests, like a midterm and a final. Yeah. I'd be like, cool, I'm not going to class. I'll just study for the midterm and study for the final. Um, (laughs) I, so, and I'd always sit in the back and, you know, kind of, you know, just, I was, I didn't care. I was, I didn't really care about school that much. Um, so first day of uh, junior year, I walk into this classroom and I see Shelby. I just see her across the room and, you know, obviously she's beautiful. And I was like, yeah, she's beautiful <laughs> that I, you know, I, I maybe I should uh, try to sit next to her. And so I walk into class and it's one of those big auditoriums, you know, 30, 40 rows of, you know, places to sit and uh her and the girls she was with are like sitting in like the fourth row and she is like sitting on the end and i just like walked over and uh sat next to her and then we ended up uh kind of sitting next to each other all year and kind of talking and becoming friends and then didn't start dating till probably like a year or so after but um was definitely kind of like kind of you were throwing I, I was i was kind of like very first second was like yeah her. I want to, I want to sit next to her. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay. And then the, the end to that very, uh, the, the short version of the story is that, um, I proposed to her in the exact same seats. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's epic. Ah, oh, it's really cute. Good job. Good job on Thank that. You. Thank you. Uh, I know I said that was your, I was going to only ask you one more question, but I did ask you another one, how you meet Shelby. And then I do have another question. What was your first impression of Texas? <laughs> like, what did you think? Were you like, get me out of here? What is this place? I'm answering the question for you. 
Well, Sorry. it was it was just it was super hot, which like where I grew up in California, like it gets you know it gets plenty hot. Yeah. Um, one of my first impressions was, um, in California, like it could get to be a hundred degrees during the day, but then it would always cool off like 25, 30 degrees at night. And like in Texas, when it was like 105 during the day, it was like 95 at night. And I'm like, this is broken. Like (laughs) it's just, it's like, it's dark outside, but it's just as hot, like all night long, basically. That was one of my first impressions. The very first impression I have, because like maybe a few months before, I actually moved out here. Um, I flew out here because like my dad was already living here. So me and my mom flew out here and they were like looking at houses and that kind of stuff. And um, I want to say it was, I want to say it was either 635 or 75 and just like driving down one of those highways. And it was just like, every direction all i could see was restaurants but like chain restaurants of like chilies olive garden applebees and just like on both sides of the road everywhere it was like god what the heck? like this is all is this all there is every like that's one of my first memories is just like you know because obviously there's there's rows of places where they're just like oh i mean that's something that dallas has is like there's a chain restaurant you want. We've got it. Yeah. It's it's everywhere. Um, and then as I as I stayed or as I just kind of got here longer, it was just like it's flat. the The house we lived in was way bigger because the houses were so much cheaper mm-hmm. in California. So I thought that was cool. Um, and then I just would get in my car and kind of like drive around and be like all right, let me go figure this out. And my parents moved when they first got here to Allen and like Allen at the time, which is like, it's still, you know, like Allen's so much bigger now than it was then to where like you would go and there'd be like houses on one corner and then still like a farm on this corner and all of that kind of stuff. So it was like just enough that it was like not fully like suburb city. And it was just kind of like a weird mix of all types of things. Um, and then I really didn't go cause like growing up in where, like where I grew up, it's called Santa Clarita. It's like 45 minutes North of LA. It was like, we kind of just lived in the suburbs and you had, you know, anything you could think of for the most part. And we like, didn't really go to LA that much. Like my parents weren't taking me as like a, you know, young child and a teenager just down to like the heart of Los Angeles very much. Yeah. And kind of similarly when I moved here was like we live in Allen and then I went to school in Denton and so I spent a lot of time in like that you know Allen, Plano, Frisco, McKinney and like hardly ever would go like down to Dallas Mm -hmm. and then that was something more as I you know got a little bit older and then eventually you know me and the wife got engaged married that we actually like moved down to Dallas and like now like live downtown I can walk like to most things that I you know need to do and want to do and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um that's been really cool. And yeah. I've really liked that aspect of it. That's cool. That's cool. I'm glad that you have found it suitable here in Texas. It's still hot. It's still flat. The geography of Texas <laughs> kind of sucks. Um, but as far as cities go, uh, you could do a lot worse than Dallas. Yeah, Dallas is pretty is pretty cool. Like, it's got some good stuff here. and um, But, you know, it's all good. It's all good. 
Well, I won't take up too much more of your time. I know you got another podcast to get to tonight. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it'll be a bit of a late night. Uh, we'll be wrapping up the golf. So yes, uh, I'm any, excited to hear what y'all have yeah, to say about anybody, this. Anybody uh, curious to hear our thoughts on what happened at the Open Championship? Uh, check out the Inevitables pod. Yeah, and I'll put some links in the show notes for you guys so y'all can find Wade and his really cool podcast and. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's It's been a lot of fun. We'll do it again. And just like that, we are done with another episode of Malfunction. Thank you so much for sticking around all the way to the very end. If you could, go like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. You can go follow us on Instagram at malfunction underscore pod. That's at M-A-L-F-U-N-K-T-I-O-N underscore pod. And until next time, let's keep the funk and malfunction. Peace.